0: But in those made from the comedies, the writers found themselves scarcely ever able to turn his words into the narrative form. Therefore it is feared that in them dialogue has been made use of too frequently for young people not accustomed to the dramatic form of writing. But this fault, if it be a fault, has been caused by an earnest wish to give as much of Shakespeare's own words as possible. And if the he said and she said, the question and the reply, should sometimes seem tedious to their young ears, they must pardon it because it was the only way in which could be given to them a few hints and little foretastes of the great pleasure which awaits them in their elder years when they come to the rich treasures from which these small and valueless coins are extracted, pretending to no other merit than as faint and imperfect stamps of Shakespeare's matchless image. Faint and imperfect images they must be called, because the beauty of his language is too frequently destroyed by the necessity of changing many of his excellent words into words far less expressive of his true sense to make it read something like prose, and even in some few places where his blank verse is given unaltered, as hoping from its simple plainness to cheat the young reader into the belief that they are reading prose, yet still his language being transplanted from its own natural soil and wild poetic garden, it must want much of its native beauty. It has been wished to make these tales easy reading for very young children. To the utmost of their ability, the writers have constantly kept this in mind. But the subjects of most of them made this a very difficult task. It was no easy matter to give the histories of men and women in terms familiar to the apprehension of a very young mind. For young ladies, too, it has been the intention chiefly to write, because boys, being generally permitted the use of their father's libraries at a much earlier age than girls are, They frequently have the best scenes of Shakespeare by heart before their sisters are permitted to look into this manly book. And therefore, instead of recommending these tales to the perusal of young gentlemen who can read them so much better in the originals, their kind assistance is rather requested in explaining to their sisters such parts as are hardest for them to understand, and when they have helped them to get over the difficulties, then perhaps they will read to them, carefully selecting what is proper for a young sister's ear, some passage which has pleased them in one of these stories, in the very words of the scene from which it is taken. And it is hoped they will find that the beautiful extracts, the select passages they may choose to give their sisters in this way, will be much better relished and understood from their having some notion of the general story from one of these imperfect abridgments, which, if they be fortunately so done as to prove delightful to any of the young readers, It is hoped that no worse effect will result than to make them wish themselves a little older, that they may be allowed to read the plays at full length. Such a wish will be neither peevish nor irrational. When time and leave of judicious friends shall put them into their hands, they will discover in such of them as are here abridged, not to mention almost as many more which are left untouched, many surprising events and turns of fortune, which for their infinite variety could not be contained in this little book, besides a world of sprightly and cheerful characters, both men and women, the humour of which it was feared would be lost if it were attempted to reduce the length of them. What these tales shall have been to the young readers, that and much more it is the writer's wish that the true plays of Shakespeare may prove to them in older years, enrichers of the fancy, strengtheners of virtue, a withdrawing from all selfish and mercenary thoughts, A lesson of all sweet and honourable thoughts and actions, to teach courtesy, benignity, generosity, humanity, for of examples teaching these virtues, his pages are full. The Tempest There was a certain island in the sea, the only inhabitants of which were an old man, whose name was Prospero, and his daughter Miranda, a very beautiful young lady. She came to this island so young that she had no memory of having seen any other human face than her father's. They lived in a cave or cell made out of a rock. It was divided into several apartments, one of which Prospero called his study. There he kept his books, which chiefly treated of magic, a study at that time much affected by all learned men, and the knowledge of this art he found very useful to him, for being thrown by a strange chance upon this island— which had been enchanted by a witch called Sycorax, who died there a short time before his arrival, Prospero, by virtue of his art, released many good spirits that Sycorax had imprisoned in the bodies of large trees, because they had refused to execute her wicked commands. These gentle spirits were ever after obedient to the will of Prospero. Of these, Ariel was the chief. The lively little sprite Ariel had nothing mischievous in his nature, except that he took rather too much pleasure in tormenting an ugly monster called caliban for he owed him a grudge because he was the son of his old enemy sycorax this caliban prospero found in the woods a strange misshapen thing far less human in form than an ape he took him home to his cell and taught him to speak and prospero would have been very kind to him but the bad nature which Caliban inherited from his mother Sycorax would not let him learn anything good or useful. Therefore he was employed like a slave to fetch wood and do the most laborious offices, and Ariel had the charge of compelling him to these services. When Caliban was lazy and neglected his work, Ariel, who was invisible to all eyes but Prospero's, would come slyly and pinch him, and sometimes tumble him down in the mire, And then Ariel, in the likeness of an ape, would make mouths at him. Then, swiftly changing his shape in the likeness of a hedgehog, he would lie tumbling in Caliban's way, who feared the hedgehog's sharp quills would prick his bare feet. With a variety of such like vexatious tricks, Ariel would often torment him whenever Caliban neglected the work which Prospero commanded him to do. Having these powerful spirits obedient to his will, Prospero could by their means command the winds and the waves of the sea. By his orders they raised a violent storm, in the midst of which, and struggling with the wild sea waves that every moment threatened to swallow it up, he showed his daughter a fine large ship, which he told her was full of living beings like themselves. "'Oh, my dear father,' said she, "'if by your art you have raised this dreadful storm,' "'Have pity on their sad distress. "'See, the vessel will be dashed to pieces. "'Poor souls, they will all perish. "'If I had power, I would sink the sea beneath the earth, "'rather than the good ship should be destroyed "'with all the precious souls within her.' "'Be not so amazed, daughter Miranda,' said Prospero. "'There is no harm done. "'I have so ordered it that no person in the ship "'shall receive any hurt. "'What I have done has been in care of you, my dear child.' "'You are ignorant who you are or where you came from, "'and you know no more of me "'but that I am your father and live in this poor cave. "'Can you remember a time before you came to this cell? "'I think you cannot, for you were not then three years of age.' "'Certainly I can, sir,' replied Miranda. "'By what?' asked Prospero. "'By any other house or person. "'Tell me what you can remember, my child.' "'Miranda said,' "'It seems to me like the recollection of a dream, "'but had I not once four or five women who attended upon me?' "'Prospero answered, "'You had and more. "'How is it that this still lives in your mind? "'Do you remember how you came here?' "'No, sir,' said Miranda. "'I remember nothing more.' Twelve years ago, Miranda,' continued Prospero, "'I was Duke of Milan, and you were a princess and my only heir.' I had a younger brother whose name was Antonio, to whom I trusted everything, and as I was fond of retirement and deep study, I commonly left the management of my state affairs to your uncle, my false brother, for so indeed he proved. I, neglecting all worldly ends, buried among my books, did dedicate my whole time to the bettering of my mind. My brother Antonio, being thus in possession of my power, began to think himself the Duke indeed. The opportunity I gave him of making himself popular among my subjects awakened in his bad nature a proud ambition to deprive me of my dukedom. This he soon effected with the aid of the King of Naples, a powerful prince who was my enemy. Wherefore, said Miranda, did they not that hour destroy us? My child, answered her father, they durst not. So dear was the love that my people bore me. Antonio carried us on board a ship. And when we were some leagues out at sea, he forced us into a small boat, without either tackle, sail, or mast. There he left us as he thought to perish. But a kind lord of my court, one Gonzalo who loved me, had privately placed in the boat water, provisions, apparel, and some books which I prize above my dukedom. "'Oh, my father,' said Miranda, "'what a trouble must I have been to you then?' "'No, my love,' said Prospero, "'you were a little cherub that did preserve me. "'Your innocent smiles made me bear up against my misfortunes. "'Our food lasted till we landed on this desert island, "'since when my chief delight has been in teaching you, Miranda, "'and well have you profited by my instructions.' "'Heaven thank you, my dear father,' said Miranda. "'Now pray tell me, sir, your reason for raising this sea-storm?' "'Know then,' said her father, "'that by means of this storm, my enemies, the king of Naples, and my cruel brother, are cast ashore upon this island.' Having said so, Prospero gently touched his daughter with his magic wand, and she fell asleep. For the spirit Ariel just then presented himself before his master to give an account of the tempest and how he had disposed of the ship's company. And though the spirits were always invisible to Miranda— Prospero did not choose she should hear him holding converse, as would seem to her, with the empty air. "'Well, my brave spirit,' said Prospero to Ariel, "'how have you performed your task?' Ariel gave a lively description of the storm and of the terrors of the mariners, and how the king's son Ferdinand was the first who leaped into the sea, and his father thought he saw his dear son swallowed up by the waves and lost. "'But he is safe,' said Ariel, "'in a corner of the isle.' "'sitting with his arms folded, sadly lamenting the loss of the king, his father, whom he concludes drowned. "'Not a hair of his head is injured, and his princely garments, though drenched in the sea-waves, look fresher than before. "'That's my delicate Ariel,' said Prospero. "'Bring him hither. My daughter must see this young prince. "'Where is the king and my brother?' I left them, answered Ariel, searching for Ferdinand, whom they have little hopes of finding, thinking they saw him perish. Of the ship's crew not one is missing, though each one thinks himself the only one saved, and the ship, though invisible to them, is safe in the harbour. Ariel, said Prospero, thy charge is faithfully performed, but there is more work yet. Is there more work, said Ariel? Let me remind you, master, you have promised me my liberty.' I pray remember I have done you worthy service, told you no lies, made no mistakes, served you without or grumbling. How oh, now, said Prospero, you do not recall what a torment I freed you from? Have you forgot the wicked witch Sycorax, who with age and envy was almost bent double? Where was she born? Speak, tell me. Sir, in Algiers, said Ariel. Oh, was she so, said Prospero. I must recount what you have been, which I find you do not remember. This bad witch Sycorax, for her witchcrafts, too terrible to enter human hearing, was banished from Algiers, and here left by the sailors. And because you were a spirit too delicate to execute her wicked commands, she shut you up in a tree where I found you howling. This torment, remember, I did free you from. "'Pardon me, dear master,' said Ariel, ashamed to seem ungrateful. "'I will obey your commands.' Do so, said Prospero, and I will set you free. He then gave orders what further he would have him do, and away went Ariel, first to where he had left Ferdinand, and found him still sitting on the grass in the same melancholy posture. Oh, my young gentleman, said Ariel, when he saw him, I will soon move you. You must be brought, I find, for the Lady Miranda to have a sight of your pretty person. Come, sir, follow me. He then began singing full fathom five thy father lies of his bones are coral made those are pearls that were his eyes nothing of him that doth fade but doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange seen him sourly ring his knell hark now i hear them ding dong bell. This strange news of his lost father soon roused the prince from the stupid fit into which he had fallen. He followed in amazement the sound of Ariel's voice, till it led him to Prospero and Miranda, who were sitting under the shade of a large tree. Now, Miranda had never seen a man before except her own father. Miranda, said Prospero, tell me what you are looking at, yonder. Oh, father, said Miranda in a strange surprise, surely that is a spirit— "'Lord, how it looks about! Believe me, sir, it is a beautiful creature. Is it not a spirit?' "'No, girl,' answered her father. "'It eats and sleeps and has senses such as we have. This young man, you see, was in the ship. "'He is somewhat altered by grief, or you might call him a handsome person. "'He has lost his companions and is wandering about to find them.